0: Listener, production, market, the S&P, the ISX stocks. This is Motley Fool Money. Welcome to Motley Fool Money. We made it. The last day of the year. 2021 is done. Well, almost done. It's 4.30 when this goes live. So as long as we don't screw up the next seven and a half hours, 2021 is done. Of course, when I say we, I'm not going to, well, I'll probably be the one who screws it up. Andrew won't. He is Andrew Page from strawman.com. I am Scott Phillips from the Motley Field. How are you, mate? Very good. Yeah. What a year, Buddy, hey? What a year. One more time with feeling for the year. <laughs> oh, What's <no>. strawman.com again? <laughs> We're a private investment club. Oh hey, yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, the Always have the been, the always will be. Podcast. That's what we are. <laughs> yeah. Get mate, check it out. I have thoroughly enjoyed having you on the podcast for most of this year. It's been an absolute joy and an absolute ball. So personally, I want to say thank you. For joining me for the podcast for these last, what was it nine months or so? I think you've been back. Wow, um, it was was it super, nine super exciting, mate! I've, I've had an absolute ball. So thank you very much. Thank you, mate. Um, likewise, for I'm, coming back. Yeah, likewise. I have really enjoyed it. Now we thought again we're pre-recording this one. That's no, no surprise to anybody. Uh, the the wonderful people at Listener. Oh, by the way, big shout out to Link Kelly. Link has been our long-time audio producer. He's the guy that makes us sound better than we otherwise would, which frankly is no easy task. I mean, it's easy to sound better than we otherwise would because we're not great, but to actually make us sound like that, um, as always, any errors are mine. Any uh, benefits, any any good stuff that comes out is either Andrew or Link. So, Link, thank you very much for your efforts uh, and the whole listener team, the whole Multifull team, and the whole Strawman team. Uh, we've just it's been a great year, and so uh, at least for podcast wise, not a great year in other areas and we thought we would for the last day of the year do a bit of a look back Now we're not going to do a a big retrospective in part because we're recording this two weeks earlier we don't really know what's going to happen between now and then we, we kind of said do we do the big winners and losers of the year I was like oh mate <laughs> 2021, we don't really want to put that out there just yet. Two, with two weeks to go, we could get this horribly, horribly wrong. So yeah. we're not yeah. going to do a big, you know, winners and losers. We might do that in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. We'll, we'll see what we end up recording. But um, we thought we'd just do a bit of a, a look back, but not not just a kind of recap for the sake of it because that's kind of boring. Everyone does that. And just quietly, I'm sure you've already had a week of that in the uh, the newspapers between Christmas and New Year. They specialise in the you know, look back, look ahead uh, articles. And so we're not going to do exactly that, but we are going to do something similar. We're kind of going to hit some interesting themes of the year and just kind of discuss those as we, as we round out 2021. Mate, I'm going to take you all the way back to late January, I think it was, maybe very early February. I had, I don't, I'm sure I had, I'm sure I had, but I can't recall having ever heard of this kind of video game retailer called GameStop until it hit the headlines for all the very wrong reasons. GameStop was the, the company that that, that kind of gave rise to the concept of the meme stock. There was some Reddit. Reddit's like an internet forum if you haven't used it before. only the cool kids do so I never do Andrew does because he's cool. Of course. Uh, Reddit is one of those internet forums and there was a, a little kind of group forum on that on that website called Wall Street bets. And for reasons best known to people that are in that group, either, if you're generous, they are freedom-fighting, democracy-loving people who would just want to make some difference in the world. If you're a bit more cynical, they are people who thought they'd benefit from whipping up the crowd and making some money in the process. They made GameStop the very, very first meme stock, mate, by sending it to the absolute moon. And the whole idea, again, you've got to be careful here because if you take it all on face value, it's easy. It's a bit like the media, right? Um, PM says this. So, no, Well, yeah, he did, but he's doing it because, you know, it's not a news story. He's just playing to the voters and you guys just reported it or the opposition leader, by the way. Again, I don't want to get political. So, you know, we're not going to just report what is said because that's too easy and that's falling into that trap. But in theory, the idea was GameStop, this a video game retailer was being heavily shorted. It was being backed by some important Wall Street people to lose a whole lot of money, which frankly makes some sense to me because physical retailers dying. Physical game retailing is probably going to die. So, you know, if, you, if you're a sort of investor who says, I want to make some money when a business goes down, I get why it makes sense. In theory, the Robin Hoods on Wall Street Bets said, you know what, we're going to make these evil, bad fund managers pay. We're going to go buy the shares, send the share price up. Now, if you are shorting a stock, you want it to go down. If the share price goes up, you've actually got to effectively find money to cover the gain if you're shorting. So if you if you believe in the Robin Hood story, they were trying to make those fund managers feel some pain. If you feel like me more cynical, maybe they're all trying to get a whole lot of people riled up so that they could buy shares cheaply. And when the cavalry arrived, and the share price shut up. Those first few people to the party, well, they made a lot of money. What say you, Andrew Page? It was just fascinating.
1: Um, and what's... What's really fascinating? Well, there's so much. There's so much to say about it. What was fascinating was that you could coordinate so many small investors. Mm-hmm. You know, no, none of these investors had by themselves any great deal of money, but yeah, right. you know, you, you put enough of them together and you align them and you 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 get them all moving in the same direction. It just it unleashed a force that markets have never seen before. So the mm. so the big money that comes from Wall Street and big institutions and that they really move markets around. It was never really done in this way, coordinated through private what mm. the what the industry very unflatteringly calls unsophistic I hate the term by the way, <laughs> unsophisticated investors yeah. could, could yeah. do that mm. was just interesting. And when it first mm. played out, I kind of thought, I get it, but this is all gonna still end in tears because the the, the shorters weren't actually being that silly, this was a business that was was a sunset industry, and even without that, was having its own own kinds of problems. It was a, it was a, it wasn't. Look, nothing is guaranteed in investing, but it wasn't a silly idea to think this thing was going to zero. Mm. So so to to pick a hill to die on, of all the stocks mm. you could have coordinated on and ramped, it was an odd one because <laughs> you know, the shortest had a really good 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 point on it, mm. but they won the the. the the, the meme has won, and and a lot of very big, powerful, well resourced um, hedge funds, yeah, uh, got toasted, co- got absolutely toasted. On. They just yep. couldn't yep. last, yep. which was which was just just fascinating. But mm. what's even more fascinating is that that it's you know you're part you're part of the system, so you can't extricate yourself from it. So when I looked just before recording this podcast, GameStop shares are still well up. Mm. And you kind of think, what? How does that? Because you kind of think like, it's a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? Someone's going to run out of money and then they win. But then ultimately this business is still going to zero. Well, not yet anyway. And, And the reason being, as you pointed out, is that, well, if the share's really high, the company was able to raise funds at very attractive rates, which has given them a second lease on life. So it's kind of the very act of the shares going up has actually given more optionality to the business than would have ever been there. So actually, now the short thesis is 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 it's not just a case of who can last longest. It's actually well, actually they're very much better capitalized now. Maybe Mm. maybe the business is a viable, ongoing enterprise. Mm. So it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating.
0: It is. I yeah. And this I think that's exactly right. I think the and I'm not going to ask you to talk about crypto again because it's almost the end of the year. No one wants that. I can't. Well, I don't want that. That's more important. Uh, (laughs) Other people do apparently by the questions they keep asking. I'm sorry to those who want to ask a question about it. Oh mate, you. Feel free to mention it if you want. But this 2021, speaking of looking back, seems, uh, I don't know if I'm paying too much attention to Twitter and Facebook or the media are, and maybe it's that kind of, you know, maybe it's own echo chamber that keeps getting echoed into the mainstream press and whatever. But the rise of the crypto speculation, and again, I'm not saying all crypto is speculative, but the speculation in crypto, which is a thing, a part of the, part of the crypto group, if nothing else, and the rise of so-called meme stocks, uh, AMC, the the movie chain, was another one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, the, I I'm still not sure what to make of it, mate. I, I know we've talked about this in another podcast. You and I talked about it off air for sure. I know, but I can't. Remember. I, they 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 blend. You are talking about stocks on the on the show and off the show, so the mm-hmm. conversations aren't exactly different when we're when we're not uh, not recording. I'm not sure what to make of it, mate. I I, yeah. I can't work out whether these people would have been otherwise punting money at the track, wasting it on new computer gear, um, whether they would have been. Uh, I, don't, I don't. I don't. Maybe this is echo of the money that would have gone and chased the dot com stocks in 1999. But it's really interesting. I, I don't know how this ends either. We we talked on on the Christmas Eve episode about thinking about you know the, the, the what between the speculation and, and when to go and put some money down versus when to you know it's a little bit too too early. I gave my horrible tree analogy. They're not going to repeat or metaphor. I'm not going to repeat. Um, I don't know what I don't. I don't know what this is. I don't. I don't really know what this is. Um I am all for uh, shareholder democracy. We, we, the Motley Fool, is founded on that. Exists on that. Uh, we we help individual investors hopefully do better. Um, we're all for individual ed- education, empowerment, protections. By the way, um, we, we've multiple times campaigned for better investor protections. I, so I can't work it out. I, I I don't I don't sense it's a force for good. Um, I don't know much was achieved. Even if you blow up a, a hedge fund. Who cares like it's I don't I don't really know that they achieved anything they they like to think they did uh, what I've posted about it on social media I've had some of the people come out and say well at least we stuck it to the man and it's kind of I don't know mate. is it dissatisfaction is it money that's just is there too much money in the system a la jobkeeper job seeker US government sending checks around so it just became gambling money I don't know what to, I don't know what to make of it do you have a do you have a thought to the implication of the bigger picture here
1: I don't th- no not really I, I think uh, while it's fascinating it doesn't Change the fact—it's the whole. It's so hackneyed and cliche, but it's the whole long-term weighing versus short-term voting machine kind of thing. So I think it's—it's mm. it's another perturbation, you know, that the, the, the online social platform coordination of this kind of stuff is a new thing that wasn't wasn't um, didn't didn't exist in previous mm, generations. Mm, mm. Now it does. Does is that going to drive share prices to some extent? Yeah, absolutely, and in some cases to to absolute you know, crazy extremes. But at the end of the day this this thing that we're we're flipping between each other is actually a real thing and it has real value so it's kind of like I can't I I, I find it hard to get my head around uh, some of the some of these sort of driving forces and what they'll mean in the short term but I don't think it changes anything in terms of the long term just to go back to gamestop I mean if this thing is still going bankrupt maybe it's maybe it's 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 delayed that execution to some extent but if it still is, well, it's 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 ridiculously overvalued at this point in time. That will still that that people will still get burnt, even though even though it went way up in the interim. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's unavoidable. Um, yeah. So I I do think I do think it probably leads to things being more volatile than they otherwise would have been. Um, but volatility doesn't bother me too much anyway. It probably on, on an individual level leads to a lot of people. Um. Making bad decisions because again, it's not everyone. There's kind of a Ponzi scheme element to it, sort of like That's a lot of a people buying GameStop early yeah, yeah, yeah. did very well. But but if you if you were buying towards the latter part of that, you actually done very badly, even though shares have sort of remained mm, reasonably mm. buoyant. Um, so is that a good thing? Well, well probably not. Um, yeah, but I, I, I kind of, I go. Well, oh, that's interesting. Um, but I'm not going <laughs> to, I'm not going to partake in it. I'm not going to change anything that that I do as a result of it. At the end of the day, yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll go long-term intrinsic value, sort of <laughs> very boring, you know,
0: uh, kind of approach. But I, I feel as though that's a very solid touchstone to, to to keep nearby. I think that's exactly right, man. I think it's exactly the, a great touchstone. I, I, I do. If there is an outtake, maybe for me, it's uh, assuming this is now a thing maybe investors should be prepared for more volatility and more noise in the market. And while that's always been there, it's always been present and you've always been best advised to ignore that, it's going to be harder to ignore. And there will be some of our listeners who might be tempted by some of this sort of stuff and some of the messaging and some of the stick it to the man or we made a fortune on GameStop, jump on the next one or whatever it is. Um, So I I think your, your advice is absolutely right. I'll only add to that. Um, just a reminder not to get carried away. If this sort of stuff happens again in 2022, um, just do yourself so a favor. Don't don't get carried away with the chatter uh, around this sort of stuff because it's very very easy for that to become the dominant narrative, right? Particularly with social media everywhere, and the, the messages are seductive by definition. It is it is an exercise in marketing, what, deliberately or otherwise. The messaging that they use is is that's how it works, right? Like A, we'll stick it to the man. B, we're going to make some money. C, whatever, whatever. <coughs> Um, I'm not the biggest fan of shorters, by the way. I have no no sympathy for activist shorters. I have no sympathy for the shorters in general. Um, I, I do always try and make the point that I'm not anti-shorters. I would happily ban shorting, and every time I say that, I get flamed on Twitter as well. Um, but you know, they're entitled to do it. And I have I have no I'm not not on on the, t- the side of the shorters. Um, <laughs> the Motley Fool there was there was a, a dodgy uh, someone someone had uh, edited a Wikipedia post of all things. The swing of the internet, right, 2021. To say that we were part owned or entirely owned by one of the short sellers that was shorting GameStop, so every time every time someone wrote an article or a tweet that said, "Guys, this is getting a bit silly," uh, it would all rolled. Oh, you guys are owned by Citadel and da da da. It was it's all funny how that stuff becomes mm. its own its own thing, right? And no one listens, and no one actually wants to know. So. Uh, it was it was it was just a it, just one of those one of those twenty twenty one stories that was was pretty funny. We were accused of all sorts of stuff because we weren't jumping on the bandwagon and uh, trying to you know join the join the, the the Wall Street bets crowd. But it was fun. It
1: I have to fun. say too, even on that, there are a lot of really really great blogs, YouTube channels, Twitter accounts that are just really valuable. I think you know they'd be in the minority, but in terms of like at quality information. There's some great stuff out there and it it has changed. It used to be the domain of, you know, the industry of, of the stockbrokers mm. and the analysts and all of this kind of stuff. And it's been much more democratised now and someone with a view for virtually no cost mm. can sort of put that out there to the world. Um, so I wouldn't – I think the world has changed. I think there's a lot of great stuff that is online, but I think you also need to approach it with a very healthy degree of scepticism because often – You'll, people will be promoting something not because they care about you. I mean, after all, you're some stranger on the internet. It could be on the other side of the world. Mm, mm. They've probably got a vested interest in this thing going up. By the time someone's running around spruking something, you can bet that they've mm, filled, they've mm. filled a pretty tidy position on that. And they don't want you to make money. <laughs> exactly. They want you to buy, and everyone else right. to buy to, to push them. the price up. It right, sounds right, horrible, right. but I mean, you know, it, it's, it's 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 easy to sort of get dark on mm-hmm. human nature and the rest of it. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's 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 see. On balance of probabilities, what's more mm-hmm. likely here? Mm-hmm. Someone in North America in their mum's basement <laughs> feels as though that you know they they want to help you achieve financial independence, yeah. uh-huh. or they're trying to create some momentum to enrich yep. themselves.
0: And by the way, as I always say, when we have these conversations. People could absolutely be yelling at the podcast room now, saying, "Well, hang on, you work for a bloody, you know, a, a website with with members, and is Motley Fool gives financial advice, and aren't we just trying to do exactly the same thing of make some money from those suckers while they, you know, fight for the, the small amounts of spoil and offer?" So I, I will, I will absolutely acknowledge that because it's really important to um, really important to do that. But it, you know. It, it's it's always always worthwhile, particularly in financial services. Be a little bit sceptical. Don't be cynical, but be sceptical. Ask yourself, hey, what's in it for me? What's in it for them? Am I trying? Am I going to make? Oh, I don't. I own a small amount. Motley full shares, as it turns out, but you know, the- <laughs> like you know, a 15th a- a of-, of a percent. So you know, am I going to make some money if people sign up for one hundred ninety nine dollars to share advisor? No. <laughs> you know, am I going to get paid? Yes. Am I going to keep a job? Yes. So do I have a vested interest? Absolutely. But. If you go and jump on GameStop or you don't, it's going to make no difference whatsoever to me. And there are some out there who are super, super, terribly uh, mercenary and are just trying to screw you for a buck. Um, the, the the book "Where Are the Customers' Yachts?" was written what a lot century ago, mate, and not much mm. has changed in a lot of the financial services industry. But plenty of businesses, like the Motley Fool and like Strawman, yeah, we'd like to make a profit. We're for-profit businesses, absolutely, but we're trying to create something of value that hopefully. The, the value we create is, is worth more than the the price that we pay, or oh, you pay. Sorry, and and that's probably the question, right? Is what are those people doing? Where are their interests? Where are they going to make money? Are they really trying to help me out of the goodness of their heart? Almost nobody is to completely. Mm. Um, I'd like to think if I won lotto tomorrow, I'd still do this job. I'm pretty sure I'd still do the podcast. Uh, but at some point, <laughs> you know, just 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 be careful. So yes, and as I said I just want to address that, mate, because it is the elephant in the room, and you know, we could we could be accused of of being self serving by saying that. But just just be careful.
1: Yeah yeah I well I, all I'd say on top of that oh. is that the it actually the more sustainable business model is one that actually builds trust yeah, and reputation.
0: Screw your customers. So you know, while you know that <laughs> yeah. you actually yes, exactly.
1: beside it being the right thing to do, it's actually a yes. more sensible business plan. I think that's that's the yeah. case of anyone, that's whether it's a YouTube too. channel or it's a general <laughs> advice services yes. business. Yes. Yes. You want to look you want to look for track record and, and mm-hmm. history. This yeah. is what's tough in in bull markets, because yeah. there are a lot of people out there that actually I'm sure if, even if you audited their results, that'd actually be great. Because everyone looks really smart at the end mm. of a, at the end of a bull market because you can just buy anything yeah. and it just goes up. Right. And look at and you can and and and, and there's some guys out there that have been running YouTube channels for the last year and you can go back and look at the video that they released on. Generous said, "I'm buying That's this." Right. One. Actually, right. yeah, it's gone up. It's it's yeah. it's not yeah. that they were wrong, but it's it's very very hard mm-hmm. to tease apart luck and skill in yeah. a bull market. And and I don't want to I don't want to suggest that oh there's no skill there. There's some really as I said before I think there's some really mm-hmm. great resources that are out mm-hmm. there. But you you need to ask that question. And did did you get lucky, or did or were you right? And and mm-hmm. that's really why I, I generally like to see investors who have operated through a full market cycle, through the good mm-hmm. and the bad, mm-hmm. and how they're paid. I think that is far more revealing than than someone who's just come onto the scene at the tail end of of a party where it just <laughs> everything is easy. Um, and, and this is a game in which you can be rewarded very well for doing very dumb things. And conversely, it's a game where you can be punished for doing the right things for a time. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's what makes it very, very tricky. So, yeah, you, you've, you've got to sort of have a healthy, not cynicism, but healthy degree of skepticism.
0: I like it, Matt. I like it. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> swing of the year that was, uh, I'm not sure this is going to be particularly um, chronological. We'll see how we go. Uh, probably won't be at all, actually. Next one, though, we want to talk about was lockdowns. Now, this wasn't new for 2021. I'm sorry to bring it back up for those who are desperately hoping to get out of this year and have no more lockdowns ever again. So maybe maybe it's the time to raise it in the, the last day of 2021. Um, you'll probably listen to this tomorrow, actually, in which case, yeah, sorry, it was in 2022. Um, it's Mate, it was a thing. It was a thing. Uh, lockdowns, Delta turned up. We thought we were over it. There was a beautiful three or so months. I think it was April, May, June where... We kind of went oh, COVID zero. How good is this? We're we're done. We're free. We're good. Yeah. And then, of course, it all went horribly, horribly pear shaped. Um, I will. Here's the here's the uh, metaphor I'm going to take from this, and then you can throw your thoughts on. We have we what you learn in, in a crisis. What you learn in when things are tough is that having some inbuilt redundancy is a smart thing. The rest of the time, we are told. And often think that efficiency is the right goal. So we sold quarantine stations when we get a lot of money for the property because eh, who needs quarantine facilities? We stockpiled a little bit of PPE, but not too much because eh, what are the chances of a pandemic? Uh, it turns out that I God knows where we are by this time when this actually goes to air. But uh, in the middle of December, there were some concerns that Australia would run out of Add Blue, the urea-based additive that goes into modern diesel engines, keeps the trucks on the road around the country. I hope that's been solved by now. Um, it is really, really, really easy. And, and banks are the same, right? Banks have been told over the last, ever since the GFC, the good news is that the banking system has actually learned and the international banking rules now require them to keep more capital to make them more resilient, to give them a better chance of getting through some of these occasional downturns, just because, yes, you can make a little bit more money in the short term if you carried a little bit less capital because you can borrow more, lend more of it out and and therefore your returns on that capital are higher. If you've got to keep it, you can't earn anything on it so the returns on capital are lower. So, of course, you want to in the good times lend it out. Hopefully, what it also means is that when you get a little bit less in the good times, you also lose a whole lot less in the bad times. So, the, the key for me from, from, frankly, the COVID lesson, mate, other than, again, horrible circumstance, horrible number of people died around the world and in Australia, horrible number of families are left without... Family members, particularly at this time of the year, which is horrible. Um, I I hope I, I actually I actually feel we haven't learned this, mate. Honestly, but the one thing I want I I, I wish for for this for next year onwards is that governments regulate regulatory agencies, companies, and yes, people have learned that redundancy is important and foregoing a little bit of the absolute maximum upside now to make sure you're covered. And this goes for rainy day accounts. This goes for keeping some money in cash in case the market falls. This goes for, yeah, absolutely, a couple of extra cans of uh, tomato paste and, and maybe a you know, extra thing of toilet paper in the in the laundry or the or the mudroom or the whatever you wherever you keep your toilet paper linen cupboard. Um, you know, we're we're so used to everything being able to work super efficiently. Supply chains in general mm. have just gummed up horribly the last six nine months. Uh, so yeah, I. I, I, I the, the usual the usual health implications, the usual governance implications, uh, let's not get into that unless you can, unless you want to, but I'm not going to. Uh, mm. I, I hope that we've learnt from this that resilience matters more than efficiency. And to do that, a bit of redundancy is required in the system. What do you think, mate? What, what are the, some of the COVID lessons of, of 2021? I think that the lesson from one of the great
1: lessons from COVID is that you, the thing that's going to bite you on the bum is the thing that you're not looking at. You know, mm. it, it's going to be, so bef- true, before that? COVID happened, in, you open up the financial <laughs> yeah. review or whatever, there was yeah. plenty of things that, that experts were worried about and storm cloud. They're always up. <laughs> That's are. right. None no, of COVID. No one, no one said yeah. pandemic. Yeah, um, yeah. Or the guy who might have been saying pandemic had been saying it for the last 30 years and, you Correct. know, eventually Correct. like a broken clock was right. So yeah. I'm pretty sure that whatever 2022 brings, it, it'll be something that most of us didn't see. Not because mm-hmm. we were silly or neglectful, but that's just the nature of life and the universe. It's mm-hmm. just—it's very, very difficult to predict. So I think that's the lesson, and I think it's also the the other lesson of it mm-hmm. is is that we we then we, we then we, we we compound the mistake. We continue to make it. So, Oh, none of us saw this coming. Oh, now it's here, um, mm-hmm. and uh, this is how it's going to go. And it's like. You know, oh, well, we'll get vaccinated, then we'll move on, and then we'll, we don't have to worry about it anymore. And it's just we've seen, well, actually, mm-hmm. no, it just keeps on mm-hmm. evolving, and actually, it's probably going to be here forever, and God knows how many variants, and it's, the things far from over, yeah. far, far from over. UK's going back into lockdown, you know, so it's sort of it, it it's I, I think that that's for me is yeah, yeah. to, it, it's that anti fragile kind of idea with because it does, bro. What do you practically do with that? So you're saying that everything's unpredictable and there's going to be all these things that come out of left field, but I should invest anyway. It's like, well, yeah, you kind of should because it's either that or we're all living in a, you know, desolate Mad Max future, which which case (laughs) you're not really going to care about your portfolio either way. But there are some things that are far more robust than others. You know, companies that have huge amounts of debt in hypercyclical consumer discretionary industries, mm, mm. Uh, selling a product that is losing relevance. I mean, that's not a great bet, even though it might ostensibly be cheap. And if everything goes ahead without too many disruptions, you might go okay. It's just it's just very asymmetric bets. And there are others that, that just have far, far, far more um, robust characteristics and yeah. sure, they'll get knocked around by something like COVID. Plenty of great mm, businesses got mm. knocked around. Yeah, but that's right. There's still there's they're still here. Year. They've still got yeah. bright futures. Uh, they yeah. kind of, they kind of took a knock. So there's, there's. I, I think that for me is, is the lesson. It's sort of, I say it all the time, but it's sort of plan for the worst, but hope for the best when it comes to investing, because there is something that's going to sort of come out there and, and take us, take us all by surprise.
0: Yeah, I think that's, a, I think that's a really good point. There you go. So have some redundancy and uh, stop trying to forecast. <laughs> stop trying to. Be, you uh, know what I, drives me nuts? Just go on. I, I, I probably preempted you here, but it just, it, no. it's just what we will see. Uh,
1: uh, in the financial press is uh, what 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 will the market do in 2022, and all the usual pundits right. will get asked, and they'll all have these tag, even the very you know. Uh, 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 supposedly sensible ones, you know, the Credit Suisse and all this, you know, senior analysts that forecast the ASX all 200 to be at blah, 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 by by the end mm-hmm. of the year. They get asked every single year and <laughs> exactly. every single year they are wrong. And Exactly. Not, again, not because they're idiots because they're being – they, they mm-hmm. forecast not because they want to but because they're they asked to. <laughs> so they go, oh, okay, I think it's going to be this. But it's yeah. – please ignore it. Please ignore yeah, totally. it. I mean, maybe totally. even if they are right, they'll be right for the wrong reasons. And it's just it's, – it's such – what the market does over the 12 months is really not the bet. The, the yeah. bet that you're making is that I'm yeah. actually going to be yeah. buying companies that in five and ten years will be much bigger and more profitable. That, that's the bet. You know, what, what, mm-hmm. what, what we all do on the ASX in the next six, 12 months, it's just, it's just so pointless. But expect it. There'll be a lot of that stuff going around.
0: Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. Mate. That that was the point I wanted to make. Was you know what is more annoying? You're right. The Christmas forecast is stupid. And so. here's the thing: if you were a smart analyst, you're going to say about ten percent. And yeah. when you're wrong, you get to say, "Well, who knew? It was a reasonable forecast." And when you're right, you go, "See, I was right." Yeah. You know, yeah. if you, if you if you forecast a thirty percent gain, if you you know there's nothing there's nothing there's no you know benefit for it because you're going to be probably wrong. Uh, and wrong and it looked, it looked like a silly forecast. I was up 10, up 20, down 20. They look like extreme forecast. Why well, would you bother? Mm. You go for roughly the market average and if you're wrong, you go, well, who knew it was roughly the market average. It was a reasonable assumption. Mm. Surely, right? And we goes, oh, yeah, of course it was. Yes, yes, yes. Four or five. Yeah. Yeah. So there's that. Um, but also... The, the, the people who drive me most nuts the ones who make one forecast once they happen to be right and they're fated as some sort of gurus. Mm. They never made a they didn't make a previous <laughs> accurate one before that they haven't made one since. Mm. Um, the new royal Rabini GFC call is still on my, my favourite right hasn't made a hasn't made a call like that since and been right mm. in what, fifteen years? And yeah. he still talked about it as the guy who predicted the GFC as if, you know, I, I could I could literally get started with so maybe I should, and just make predictions every week. And eventually when one of them comes so landish ones, when mm. one of them finally comes true I said, look, there was my tweet. See, I told you what was going to happen. They go, oh, wow, you're amazing. How could you, you, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Just, it's just crazy. So just ignore that if you, if you can or Please. if you can't, ignore it. Mm. Mm. Mate, um, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go with uh, another topic that's really been hot this year, mate. This is ESG. What used to be known as corporate social governance, so corporate social responsibility, I should say, uh, has now, well, it wasn't obviously a good enough acronym. They had to invent a new one. Uh, so it's now uh, ESG, environmental, social, and governance investing. In theory, again, considering each of those components, saying I'm going to only invest in companies that score well on one or all of those three criteria. And there's a whole lot of names: corporate social responsibility, ESG investing, ethical investing, impact investing. So much of this going around right now, mate. And it's not just it's not just headlines and, and column inches. There is so much money absolutely flowing into these sort of businesses. Mm. I will absolutely disclose. I own shares in Australian ethical investments. Uh, I also have, I'm on the record as being uh, a little bit critical of ethical investing. But I will let you go first on this one, mate. The, the ESG surge, what do you make of it? Look, different different thematics come along from
1: time to time. Um, yeah, I think true. I
0: think people have always, you know, had
1: some people more than others, but sort of always had an eye towards that thing. They want to invest in, in something they feel is a force for good in the world. So it's, it's not a new thing, but it is, it is, it is. It is getting much more attention than it ever has before. Um, I think it's a good thing um, overall that 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 people are focusing on that because I think longer term, if sustained, it will actually drive outcomes, uh, making it harder for companies that don't do good to have access to capital and making sure companies that are doing good in the world have have plenty of capital. I think I think it's a good thing. Mm. At the same time, I think it's also. You see a lot of things like greenwashing and people sort of – there's 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 a lot of sort of posturing to sort of build up those credentials that may or may not fairly be there. Um, and I don't think that in and of itself it's something that should radically change the the, the price of a, a share just because it happens to operate in an ethical space. At the end of the day, it's still got to be an economic analysis that you do of that. Right, right. But I would just say that these things do eventually have an economic impact. If, if you're – If you're investing in something that is increasingly being seen as a negative by society that might have higher regulations and rules around it, higher taxes potential, I mean, they're real things that will come as a result of of a movement like this. So, yeah, look, of all the things for markets to get obsessed on, if it's going to get obsessed on people doing the right thing... (laughs) I'm all for it, right? Because like, it could it could be getting focused on something that's that's probably not a net benefit to society. So I I think it's a good thing, um, but I also I do think there's a there's a lot of cynicism uh, out there towards a company sort of posturing for that, which which may or may not may not be fairly done. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I will try not to rant too much on this one because it's one I've ranted on before, and it stirs up some passions. I. We'll simply say that it's human nature to want things to be true and the stories we tell ourselves are really, really, really impactful and it's just really um, tempting. to It's the I want to believe thing, right? It's the X-Files, Scully and Mully for those Scully and Mulder. Did I say Scalder and Mully? I think I did. Uh, Mulder and Scully. Uh, who, uh, it's so tempting to want to believe that. It's so tempting to want to want it to be true because then somehow you can have some impact, you can make some difference. And I am yet to be convinced by anybody that you're not just fattening the wallets of people like, by the way, the company I own uh, shares in Australian Ethical Investments. Uh, I own shares because, unfortunately, as I've said before, I don't think enough people can listen to me. Uh, if I did think they were going to, I wouldn't own the shares. I don't. I don't. I think the fees that are being taken by ethical fund managers are probably where most of the value from ESG investing is being created. Quite honestly, um, it, it, yes, some ESG funds have outperformed. Uh, the Responsible Investment Association of Australia um, wants to believe that these things are real. They point to results they see. Ethical investing is other investing. Uh, to which I say it's also true that those sectors as a matter of course have outperformed and causation is not correlation and correlation is not causation. So just because it's true, um, what's the the ice cream example in summer? Can't remember now. Uh, There's there's an old old correlation causation one where like uh, umbrella, uh, sorry, uh, ice cream sales and um, uh, I'll, I'll make it up. Ice cream sales and sunscreen sales are up in, in uh, summer. Therefore, the more ice cream you eat, the more sunscreen you must need. Ah, yes. Okay. So yes. No, no. that's just happened to be correlated. There's a third cause right for both those things. Yes. Um, medical technology has done really, really well. Banking has done really poorly. Actually, you know what, mate? I haven't yet seen for the last financial year when iron ore was $240 odd a tonne. Uh, funnily enough, I haven't seen a lot of ethical investors uh, spruiking outperformance from ethical funds. And I dare say it might just be because in Australia, the, the iron ore um, companies did so well and the banks did so well bouncing back from COVID. I dare say in the last 12 months, maybe they didn't uh, maybe they didn't outperform. I'm, I'm speculating wildly here. Um, yeah, it's, it's correlation. It's not causation. And that's fine. And, and invest where you want, invest why you want. Uh, the thing that annoys me most is not any of that stuff. It's the people who make money from saying to people, hey, invest with us because we're ethical. And, and they go, well, yeah, of course you are because you're going to, you know. If someone's selling something, they want to make some money. Put it that way. They're, mm-hmm. not, they're not trying to make you money, right? Mm-hmm. Anything else on ESG? I won't, mm. I won't keep going. That uh, way, no. No, no. No, no, no. Um, well, hopefully. hopefully it's it, a thing it, though, right? It's a thing. It's it's a, it, there's going to be thing. more of it. Yeah. Um, I've said before, by the way, I actually expect at some point the Motley Fool will launch an ethical investing service and uh, I don't expect to be running that one. I may be. I don't know. I don't know. And will that be hypocritical, possibly to some degree? But the reality is going to be, you know, the flip side of this is, if someone says we have we have lots of members all the time say I don't want to buy that company you recommended because it doesn't pass my ethical filters. Could you please launch an ethical service? And there's that, this is hard, right? And, and the the flip side of what I just said about the fund managers is also true, that if someone's saying I have a million dollars, I want to invest it ethically. Can you help me? The fund manager's not going to say no. I'd rather you go somewhere else. They're going to say well. Uh, sure, of course I can. You know, put, your, put your money. Give me your money. I'll find a way to do it. And so, you know, I, I get that it's it's both demand push as well. As, oh, sorry, demand pull as well as supply push. There's absolutely people who say to us, "I want to invest in ethically. I don't want to buy casino stocks. I don't want to buy. Well, what else don't they like these days? I can't remember. Apparently, CSL was apparently it didn't pass the ethical filters recently because they actually pay for blood donations in some countries. Mm. Um, so this, this is probably ethical investing, right? The filters are. In, everyone's got their own ethical filter, which is what makes it so hard. Mm. Um, we'll probably have one at some point. And if we do, we'll try and beat the market ethically. And if that's what people want to buy, then we'll offer it to them. Um, in my in my case, if I'm asked, it will be I don't think you need to do this. I don't think it actually makes a difference. But if you want to, and you you you're saying to me, help me invest well without buying stocks I feel find objectionable, then we'll probably help them um, because they won't buy the other services. So it is what it is. So something you know, I'm not, I'm not saying all fund managers are trying to screw everybody. I just think when you're out there marketing and saying you know we will we will. So many of these guys, and there's a couple of think although I'm not going to name because I don't want to get angry letters, say, "Hey, we will help you improve the planet uh, because we don't invest in these things." And it's just, it's just, it's 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 outright it's outright misdirection. It's it's effectively lying, uh, but they will let people believe it, and people want to believe it, and so it's a nice little group of people. <laughs> you know, no one complains, everyone pays the fees, uh, they get to pretend they're they're helping the planet, and I just think it's close to rubbish.
1: I hear, I hear that, but the more the people care about this <laughs> stuff, is a good thing, you know. Should there be more gender diversity on boards? Yes, yes, there should be.
0: Yes, um, both both for financial and social reasons. By the way,
1: yes, the research yes.
0: shows that it tends to again, this is correlation, not causation, but uh, more more diverse boards tend to result in better financial outcomes for companies. I agree, and, but, it's, and it's just the right thing. <laughs> but my my
1: point is is that that stuff doesn't happen without a lot of sustained pressure
0: and and
1: uh, a view in in larger society for that. So. Again, as I said at the start, for, for if there's something for more and more people to sort of get behind in the right spirit, I'm all for it. I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, will there be some cynics out there that exploit that for sales purpose? Yeah, they will. But does that mean that we shouldn't do it or that it's not a good thing that investors are thinking more or looking more through that mm, lens? Mm. I think it's a wonderful thing.
0: Oh, um, so here's, here's, my only, here's my only objection to that, mate, is if, it doesn't, if, if, the, if the investor's impact doesn't matter, then it's kind of like <laughs> I'll have a go myself here. It's kind of like being on Twitter, right? You can rant about as much stuff as you want, but if no one's paying attention, it's useless. It's actually worse than useless because it's distracting you, and it's it's actually you know it's a net it's a net harm to you personally having for doing all that stuff. I mean, if it's not it's not going to kill anyone to do it. There's no there's no super downside in it, but the the kind of the the impression of doing something it's like it's like political spin one hundred one, right? Vote for me, and the world will be better. Well, probably won't. But if I believe it will, then maybe I'll vote for you. Is it, is, it, is it useful? I don't know. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. I I don't. I take your point. I just don't think it is. I don't think it is actually beneficial because I don't think it makes any difference. I think. I well, think well that's where we any.
1: disagree. Yeah, I, I think it does make it at a at a point. It makes a difference. Okay. Enough people think it. Enough people. It 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 because it it ultimately does impact legislation regulation. The, flow but of the investors funds. That
0: do that though it's everyone else like consumers like I I'm a million percent in, in favor of your view with with my consumer dollar mm. I can I can and I will choose green energy I have solar panels on the roof I will shop in places that I think are more ethical than others so that's that absolutely makes a massive difference mm. huge I just don't I just don't know the investor dollar actually makes a difference. it doesn't push a decision either way does it it, it impacts the cost
1: of capital. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm trading at a very, very high share price, I can yep. raise money very cheaply because I don't have to... Like to raise a million dollars or $10 million, yes. I don't have to give away as many shares. It's very cheap. Yes. If I'm on a very, very low multiple because no one wants to go into tobacco stocks, yep. I can still issue shares, but I've got to give away a lot more of the company to get that same $10 million. It's a very real impact. I mean, at a point. At Only a point. if you're
0: raising capital though, right? So yeah, Philip sure. Morris, use yours a great example. Philip Morris, now Altria was the best forming stock for half a century in the US. Mm. Specifically it didn't need to raise capital. Yeah. That that you know, that 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 was the point. I, I on this on the 2nd on, sorry, on the capital raising market, primary or secondary, completely agree with you. That is the one area I will happily concede is absolutely true. That if the share price is higher rather than lower, it's cheaper to raise capital. If it's lower rather than higher because investors are shunning the company, it makes it more expensive. And so if I'm if I'm you know <laughs> uh, dirty dirty polluter incorporated and I need to raise money to create a new, you know, brown coal Lower efficiency, you know, ga- gas smoke belching power station, then yes, absolutely, it is better for better for the society that no one buys my shares, mm. so that I have to mortgage the whole thing just to raise a couple of dollars in capital. Yeah. But if I'm <laughs> BHP, who hasn't raised capital in God knows how many years, it makes zero. If I'm Woodside, it makes a zero difference, right? Yep. Yeah, but but don't forget that most of these, well, po- pollution's
1: a good example because they're they're generally very capital heavy industries. So yeah. you you need a lot of uh, uh, money to sort of build the new gas plant or the new Oil platform or that all that kind of stuff. Mm. The companies that profitable here's it blows your mind when you first hear this. Most companies mm. on the stock exchange lose money. They're mm. there by the good nature, by, <laughs> <That's> by right, <laughs> by the good the goodwill of investors <laughs> to continue to tip more money in.
0: That's true. That's true. B-
1: BHP is the exception to the. If you look at the resources yeah. space on a numerical yeah. basis. Most companies lose, and they are, they lose money, and therefore are dependent on shareholders or lenders to to. Yeah. to so I, I hear your point, and there'll be some companies that don't have to worry, and there's plenty mm. of private companies that aren't even on the market at all, don't have to worry. Mm. Mm. But there's enough of them where it where I think it does make a difference. And again, if it's a look, I, is it a magic bullet that solves everything, and that you know we should all hold hands and sing kumbaya? No, it's not. <laughs> but is it is it on balance a net positive? Then yeah, and I I, I support it, and I, I think I think it's the more people that look through that lens, the better off we all we all are overall. Not not that it's going to change the world instantly, uh, <laughs> it's going to get rid of all the evils. But I'm really glad that people are on balance thinking thinking along those ways and having a focus on that thing because that, that's what ultimately leads to change.
0: Our listeners uh, are going to love you, mate, because they want to believe. So they found an ally. I like it. <laughs> um, it, it, it. There there is some small kind of, you know, screw you from capitalism when the biotech researcher trying to find cancer drugs has to raise a whole lot of capital at ever-decreasing ever rates and, and BHP, Woodside, ExxonMobil and Shell don't have to raise a dollar in capital. There's, there's something about that which is kind of like, you know, just sit that in your pipe and smoke it, right? I, yeah. don't, know that, I don't know what that says, but yeah. it's not good. Motley full Money.
1: For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at full.com.au forward slash listener.
0: Mate, let's go, to, um, let's go to another one, another feature of the year. And this is low interest rates. Uh, this year... Sorry, we'll go this later. Sorry. I know we're doing now. Low interest rates. Um, it's uh, a lot of cheap money trying to find a home. It is potentially a consolidation happening after years and years of growth. This is this massive, massive, massive surge in mergers and acquisitions during the year. I've said a couple of times on different forums, I may have said on the podcast... When you look at the number of deals being done, everything from a $24 billion deal for Sydney Airport, Square taking over Afterpay, using very, very, very inflated shares to take over a very, very, very inflated company. Um, I'm not saying unreasonably. I'm just saying they are both expensive. Uh, there's been a lot of deals done during the year. The fintech sector, the financial wealth platforms are merging. Um, there's been a heap of so-called and mergers and acquisitions activity during the year. And I'm generally speaking, um, there's a decent heuristic, speaking of heuristics, that uh, that tends to happen when valuations get uh, a bit rich, when companies are looking for growth and can't find anywhere else so they decide they want to merge and acquire each other. When interest rates are remarkably low as they have been now for quite a few years, people look around saying, well, I guess we better do it now because rates are about to go up. Here's our last chance. Um, I don't know, mate. I, 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 don't, I don't think it's super useful drawing a, a, a thick line through all of it and saying it's all the same thing. But there's a lot of deals being done, a lot of companies being taken private, uh, a lot of mergers being done. It just seems that uh, the financial types are having their way with the markets. And I don't know if that's temporary. I don't know if it's a change to the way people are thinking about valuations, if it's just the fact there's so much money going around with retirement slash super contributions or something else. What do you What do you think, mate? How do you, how do you think about the year of 2021 in mergers and acquisitions?
1: Um, these things definitely go in cycles. They, they, they tend to sort of you know all come together at points in time and others there's hardly any and um, I don't I don't think about yeah. it too much.
0: Um, <laughs> it's probably the best solution best answer actually. Yeah.
1: I actually think a lot of people get very excited when the company they have shares in gets gets a takeover offer because the yeah, share price yeah. goes up and yeah. there's a lot of good reason to, 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 to be happy about that. But a lot of the time, too, it actually can be quite disappointing. I had a mm. company got taken over during the year, which I had very high ambitions for, and I made a bit of a premium because it got taken over mm. at a high price. So I, mm. you know, I made, mm. I did well out of it. I just feel as though I would have done better if it stayed a private, it stayed a public <laughs> company that I could have held for the next ten That's years. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, what, what do I think? I don't know. Investment bankers are going to do what investment bankers do. I, we we know that we know. There's a lot of good studies that sort of suggest that most mergers and acquisitions do not uh, are not value accretive to shareholders. They make for bigger businesses and maybe maybe some nice bonuses for executives, some nice transaction fees for investment mm. bankers and mm. the rest of it. But only the, the figure I usually quote is about roughly speaking about a third of mergers and acquisitions end up with a with a, a, a value accretive kind of scenario. For shareholders, Mm, mm. Um, about a third don't really do anything, and about a third lose value. It's very hard to take two different cultures and merge them together. Yeah. Uh, Really, really difficult to do. Um, At the end of the day, businesses are just people, and when you're trying to sort of you know, and often when a merger and acquisition happens, a lot of people who get redundancies and stuff, If anyone has ever been through that in their own workplace, you know what it's like. Yeah. And it's just—it's just a very on paper. You can say, "Oh, look, we can cross-sell this, and we can reduce <laughs> synergies. 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 We can get rid of all these added costs and yeah, the rest of it. Yeah. Just the ex- execution on that. Just you'll know anecdotally if you've ever followed yeah. any of these for any length of time. It's just they don't always yeah. um, uh, emerge. Uh, certainly not as materially as, as is often expected. So um so really funny. great really great um, uh managers a very very fast. You, you can do very well with m and A M&A strategy. By the way, mm, you, mm. you can do extremely well if you're a very good capital allocator and you're buying things that make sense. And mm. where where you can when you, whenever you can find a situation where one plus one equals three, and not just <laughs> one plus one equals two or one plus one equals one. That is yeah. that the combined businesses are the, the, where the whole is greater than the sum of its parts, yep, and yep. and and can spot that and can execute on that. They they are money makers. You know the rainmakers. Mm, they mm, they are really mm, really. Mm. Um, uh, Great managers to follow, but but they are rare, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, 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 I generally take a, I generally, I, I, my starting position with an MA is it's probably not going to be good, and then I want to bring myself <laughs> rather than not, not, not to be uh, uh uh negative for the sake of it, but I sort of like I rather than start oh, off this is going to be yeah, great yeah, yeah. and then go yeah, go the other direction,
0: right. yeah. And so, well, it, it, it's wise to do that, mate, because it is. More likely, they're not going to be a bad acquisition. The other thing too, it's worth thinking about when you do this sort of stuff is remembering that even when profits grow, particularly if they've used uh, shares to do the deal, mm. uh, then your per share profit may not have actually grown. So let's let's pick an example. And my, my maths really really simple. Um, you've got you've got you know a company and it doubles its share count, right? It, so it's going to take over another business, and so it was hundred million dollars worth of shares. It now issues another hundred million dollars worth of shares. So then our $200 million of shares an issue. And it reports, hey, this acquisition doubled our profit. How good are we? Mm. And you kind of go, but they've doubled the share count, and doubled the profit. Therefore, the earnings per share hasn't changed. Mm. And in that circumstance, they've taken on a whole lot of risk and a whole lot of execution, you know, risk directly or, you know, financial risk, execution risk. Um, and, and you've kind of at a, at a per share level end up where you started with. And that's, you've got to be really careful with companies that want to empire build for its own sake, right? You want that one plus one to equal three as Andrew said, because if it doesn't, if it's just going to equal 2.1 or 2.2, you're still going to like, you know what? If that's the best, if that's the upside, if that's the best outcome, and you take a whole lot of risk with the business to get there, man, you know what? I, I don't know. Would you would you, would you, t- you, sell your house and, uh, and and go and spend the money down at the casino if you had a chance of getting a 20% gain? I don't think you would. I yeah. don't think you would. <laughs> You know, so you think about that, if you think about that money, and you want to have a broad portfolio, it's not just a house because it's a fraction of a portfolio and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, very, very few managers can have a whole lot of cash or debt potential or equity potential in their business and not kind of think to themselves, I'm a genius. I'm the CEO of this company. I am I am fantastic. Now, again, I'm being facetious, but the, the whole idea is, you know, no, no CEO goes, you know what, we probably shouldn't do it in takeovers because our company's not really great at that and we're probably not going to be very good at it. I haven't got any experience in it. Uh, let's just make sure we don't waste your holders money. You know, very few, very few. They're, they're all like, "Oh, that's interesting." Or well, we could we could buy that. Yeah, we could merge with that. Oh, we could do that for sure. And again, sometimes it works, um, but just be careful, hey.
1: You, you absolutely do. Be very careful of those presentation decks where you see
0: really great <laughs> yeah, revenue yeah. growth. <laughs> that's right.
1: You know, um, and again, don't all. all I, I've got a good example. Would be in Paris right? It's another company I've got shares in. I'm, I'm, I like mm. it a lot. You know, um, but and their revenues have grown from three million in twenty eighteen to fifty million yep. last year. Yep. Wow. Well, I mean look at that for growth. But yeah, what, right. what that number series doesn't tell you is that there was a massive almost <laughs> yes, reverse takeover. Yes, yes. It took over yeah. a much, much, much larger company. Mm-hmm. And while while that's sort of like you look at you look at <laughs> this revenue chart, it's just Absolutely phenomenal. Yeah. The the on a per share basis, it's not mm. it's not nearly as good. Interestingly enough, at this point in time, they're actually losing more money than they were then as well. So they've Isn't got much funny. much much more sales. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Now I'm I'm positive Lose on the company, money. and there there yeah, are yeah. reasons for that that I don't want to get into. But yeah, yeah. But you've, you it just goes to show you it's just sort of like you can have the same company present factual mm. figures, but they all they'll tell a very different story. You've got to make sure that you're you're talking about the truth here and why has this been what has underso- underscored underscored yeah. this growth? and yeah. how does that benefit me as a shareholder and how does it change the business, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm. it's It's really, really important, mate, because it is so easy for that, yeah you know, the the wool over the eyes, the growth story. um it goes both ways by the way. Um, Webjet shares are still well below their pre covid highs. And yet they've issued so many shares, the market cap's actually higher. Yes, and which is which is fine and great. I own shares in Webjet, and I bought them at higher prices in February when I thought oh, this COVID thing's overdone. That was a really bad mistake. Uh, I, um, I'm still sitting on a loss. But here's the thing, right? People who look at that and go, "Wow, there's still upside of you know 20, 30, 40% to get back to the previous price." Really tempting, right? People have I've, we've had I think we've even had questions on the podcast. Yeah. So people say, "Hey, look at look at that. Look at the upside here. There's plenty of up- upside left." Uh, but I think it gets back to pre-COVID prices. Wow, I can get that. That's easy, easy, easy wins, right? Even if things go back to normal. Webjet's going to have twice as many shares, ish, close enough to on issue. So yeah, the share price, like for should be half of what it was, yep. exactly, because yep. the share count's doubled. So if the share price gets back to roughly where it was, it's that that trick of so. Hang on, you're telling me it's worth more than it was pre-COVID, even though we're still not you know flying the same amount. Mm. That's a that's a that's a gutsier call than assuming there's still free upside to get back to where it started. Yep.
1: Yeah, and yet another reason as to why just looking at a chart's gonna miss out on a whole bunch of important Absolutely. context and information, yeah. right? Because you would look at that night na- naively and go, Oh, look, they're still well below they were. We'll get back to normal. Just Yeah, but there's 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 much there's much more depth to that there. And it's 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 something's actually pretty obvious when when you think about it. Yeah. But right. it's it's surprising how how not only that that it can be missed, but it can be missed mm. for so many people for
0: so long. Uh-huh. Um so yeah, be careful out there. It's also, I for the first time, because I, I think you know, my, most capital raisings are done by little businesses that I have tended not to own. They tend to be more speculative or early stage. And so it hasn't been a big deal. But it's funny, you we, we all reference things we go through, right? So now my, I, I'm much more aware of it because I own Webjet and Flight Centre raised capital as well and others I don't own Flight Centre. But you know, it was one of those things. And I, I, I don't think it'll ever happen. I, I still haven't made myself do it entirely. But I actually think that we most investors do themselves a massive, massive favour by looking at market cap Charts, yeah, rather than share price charts. For exactly yep. that reason, right? Yep. You want to know how much it's worth, not what the per share price is, because most of those charts don't allow for splits. Yep. They should mm. by rights. If you're going to if you going to do a proper share price chart, you should show a, show a pre and post split share price chart, which should show show exactly that. Mm. But you never see it because it's not a split; it's a capital raising, right? So mm. it's, it's a it's a weird thing where they pretend <laughs> that it's all the same, and that's a it's a big, big difference, and it's worth being mindful of. Yes. Yep. Mate, some last one. Our very last segment, well, ish, until we tangent off something else, before 2022. Um, We haven't mentioned him for a while, which has made me very happy. But his name is Elon Musk. Apparently, he's kind of a big deal. Um, There's also people like Jack Dorsey, the former, now former CEO of Twitter, still CEO of Square. The business is going to take over after pay. We mentioned, I think, during the year, Daryl Obotomy, the CEO of Bapcor, who resigned and the shares fell 10% after he resigned from that business. And so this kind of, to me, was kind of the year of management. Uh, they all are, to some degree, of course, just for me summarize this way, because it's the end of the year, so if I pretend to say it quickly, no one's going to realize that I'm just, you know, grouping stuff like it's unusual. But it's it, it just, because we we're talking about it pre-show, we thought, what do we talk about? And we thought, well, there've kind of been a few big things. We've covered some of those big things already. This is the last one of those big things we identified. It was just the... The question of management, we actually had a question through, which we won't answer now. We we may have answer separately in the mailbag because we might cover it enough here. But it was kind of one of those questions about the importance of management, right? Like we all, all, everyone wants their company run by a good manager by definition because the alternative is somebody who's not good. So that makes no sense. But it is worth thinking about the value of an individual manager. Mm. And that value can be really, really hard to work out. You know, I've I've been critical of not critical. I've been, well. I've been critical of investors who've said, "Oh, this manager's a great person. They've done a great job." And you kind of think, "Well, hang on. They were in an industry where, you know, the volumes and, and t- tailwinds were so strong. You know, you could have put use your one of your favorites, Andrew, you haven't used for a while. I shaved down chimp. Uh, you, you like to use that one in charge of in charge of these businesses, and they would have done well just because they couldn't but help it. You know, the rising tide lifts all boats. There was a there was a veritable flood coming down the river." the boat gets lifted up and everyone goes, oh, wow, look how great the captain's done. It's like, no, he just, he just the floodwaters took in there. Yeah. Um, so there's that. On the other hand, there are those businesses where you kind of go, man, could anybody else have taken Tesla to where it is other than Elon Musk? Mm-hmm. For all of his fo- faults and foibles, and I'm the first to point them out, uh, I'm not a big fan of Elon Musk, the, the character, the person, but the very force of will, the very intellect and passion and drive, the very ability to create a legion of... I, want to, I don't want to say fans, I want to say f- cult followers, but choose your own word. Um, uh, the same as Steve Jobs, right, at Apple, the, the, the reality distortion field that people talked about, his ability to get the best out of it. Could Apple and Tesla be those businesses without those two guys? Probably not. No. And so it's a really, really difficult job to try and work out the value of a manager in a given circumstance. And and with these guys going, mate, or sorry, Musk isn't going, Dorsey and and Daryl Obama going, Musk again, kind of in trouble with some of his tweets. Um, You always feel like he's only one tweet away from being banned from running the company by the SEC in the US. But um, the importance of management, mate, how how important are they? And how do you think about trying to work out the value of the manager and stripping away all the other stuff that just happened to see the company do well?
1: It's it's so hard. It's so super important um, a lot mm-hmm. of the time and yet it's so hard to, to get a handle on which, which puts you in a very difficult situation. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the leaders of a, of a company sort of set the, the, the there's so much delegation there of course they mm-hmm. can't do everything mm-hmm. themselves but they sort of set the, the North Star they set the culture mm-hmm. um, and they, they're so they make they make the big capital allocation decisions so it's really 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 important and mm-hmm. yes Buffett will often say, you know, you want a, a, a company that can be run by a uh, an idiot because sooner or later a company is going to be run by an idiot, um, yeah. or we might say ham sandwich. Maybe it's a bit nicer than that. Um, and that's that's all true. Mm. And 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 then the other saying is is that when a company with a, a reputation for great economics or for poor economics mm. meets a, a management team with a reputation for great skill, Correct. it's the it's the business's reputation that re, that remains intact. It just Correct. the most brilliant person can't make a terrible business shine. Mm. Um, so all of that is kind of true. But 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 incompetence can can really cost you. And um mm-hmm. so what do you do? I think track record and history is about the best that you can do. Mm-hmm. Um just looking at what has been said previously, what has been done previously, what mistakes have been owned up to, what yeah, not, that's right. you know that's a big one too. Um, uh, I like I like uh, it's a good, it's a good heuristic, I think, for fund managers. Like when ones they go really well, they say, "Yeah, we did really well, but don't expect this to last." And totally, totally. You, know, you know, not many of them do that. You know, they, yep. they're, yep. they're yep. very humble and they're just trying to train their, their. Um, investors that, Hey, it's, we're going to have some cracking years sometime. I didn't know it was going to be a cracking year. Next year
0: might be terrible. They're just really level headed like that. They, hey, on they, that. Can I just quickly stop you? Give a shout yeah. out to Steve Johnson from Forager Funds. Who That's who I was thinking about. actually yeah. yeah. Um, so, so Mollyville has a, a funds management business called Lakehouse. We don't talk about it for reasons I've mentioned before, largely because we try and keep a China's wall between the two and not be seen to be cross promoting too strongly. Um, we could actually do it legally, but we choose not to. Um, so just for the record, so, so it's a somewhat competitor, but I really don't care. Um, Steve is, is a good guy. They're a good group at Forager. They've got some really good analysts, uh, really good people there as well. Um, and yeah, so Steve made exactly that point. He's like, you know what? This was great. We didn't expect it, and we don't expect it to continue to be true. A bit like Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett always starts his shareholder letters with, hey, or not the, the earnings releases, with, hey, here are the numbers. Uh, we're required to report them under the accounting rules. We think the accounting rules are right, but we also recommend that you don't take these numbers at face value and really understand what's going on. And I think that's that's both ways. Sol Pats do the same. They have normalized earnings and they have reported earnings and they they sometimes they're better, sometimes they're worse, but they do it every single time. Um, again, just to make the point, hey, we are we are, you know, on the in the same boat as you. If you know, as Warren Buffett says, we we want to tell you what we would want to know if our positions were reversed. If you were the shareholder, uh, if he was a shareholder and we were the manager, he'd want to know these things. Mm. So he try and does the same thing. I think it's it's really good, it's really smart, as you say, mate. And Steve is a is a absolute, you know, he's a really really good guy. They do a good job at Forager.
1: Yep, yep. And just, and they had a rough patch there. I mean, they are very much a value. Um, oh, investment a- approach? So yeah, they, they didn't perform that well for a while. Okay, but it was very. There was no. There was no sort of. We talked about the situation in a very candid way without trying to make. Mm-hmm. You know, sort of owned the mistakes mm-hmm. that they made. Mm-hmm. Um, which again, just so I don't want to make this about the fund management business, just generally about managers in general is mm. is I, I think uh, reputations uh, take a long time to build, and and you should mm-hmm. pay attention to what has been said and done in the past and how yeah. how people have behaved. It's no guarantee for the future, of course, it's not, but it it really counts for a lot. As I said, it's diabolically hard to get a good read on yeah. on someone. <laughs> Even oh, after you so meet them, no. you know people so can hard. come across really. Oh, they really rubbed me the wrong way, yeah. but perhaps they're yeah. just fantastic managers. Just, just yeah. not a person you want to go to dinner with.
0: Um, so yeah, it's it's really hard, mate. I don't know what do you, how do you go about it. Oh, I flip backwards and forwards, mate. Um, I am really. I, I, I've come to the point of being really, really slow to give management credit. Not because I'm trying to be cynical or withhold credit from them because I want to make sure that I am giving them credit, they absolutely deserve it. So it's one of those things where, and not, not that I hate them if they don't, not that I say they're bad, bad if they don't, I just I have a big, you know, like with investing, I have a big too hard pile. I have a big I don't know pile. Mm. And often, so a couple, a couple of things I would do. Firstly, is the company performing meaningfully differently to the rest of its industry? Mm. So it's so, well, let me put it the other way around for a second. If the company's performing the same as the rest of its industry, if all grocery sales are up by 3%, everyone's up by 3%, I'm unlikely to give a particular CEO a great... Um, a, a pat in the back. Mm. Not not because they don't deserve it. They probably do. But I just don't know that I can, so I don't. I choose not to give them management stars. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, and there's going to be lots of false negatives here. So, you know, if, if Brad Banducci at Woolies doesn't get a gold star from me because he's grown about as fast as Coles, that doesn't say he's a bad manager at all. He might be a fantastic manager. It just means I don't know for sure that he is, and so I'm not going to give Woolies extra management points. Mm. But if I see a retailer uh, doing spectacularly well when the others are struggling, uh, particularly in its in its specific industry. So not not, you know, don't compare, I don't know, what's two examples? Accent group, the, the footwear mob with, with woolies, because that's just silly. But if if I saw a couple of footwear retailers or a couple of uh, a couple of fashion retailers, um, you know, premier investments who own just jeans and uh, Peter Alexander and Smiggle and other things, um, if I send them get someone else, I'm likely to go, you know what, I'm not so sure. A really good example, mate, is health insurance. Mm. Health insurance is a crappy business, generally speaking, and NIB, Mark Fitzgibbon, I'm a shareholder, has been a new shareholder of NIB for the record, but um, have loved the business for a long time, have really, really liked Mark Fitzgibbon for a long time because in an industry where there's not much going on, NIB continues to take bits of share just month after month, year after year, just chipping away, taking more and more share. And that's a situation where you go. You know what? Is it is it a spectacular Tesla-like, Apple-like, you know, management success? No. But if you can create a business and a culture and a system of, and processes and products and people and everything else, where you can take reliable amounts of share regularly, you're probably doing something right. And so I'm, I, I would say, Mark. I have said before, Mark Fitzgibbon. I think is a really great manager. Not because he's doing Tesla-like numbers, but because he is growing where the rest of the industry is kind of stagnating or falling. And that tells you something because if if one company is doing something particularly different, in this case, particularly better, then it could be luck, could absolutely be luck. Uh, but there's a decent chance that there's something going on in that business which is not just about the industry itself. So that, that that's a really important point. Um, yeah, I like, like go, I like track record uh, for a manager, but I will say I want track record ideally across multiple industries or at least multiple companies mm. for exactly the reason I talked to you about mm. before, right? If you're um, telcos, for example, like there was a really great telco surge in the what, mate, 20, early 2010s? I want to say like 2011 to 2014, 15, mm. where it was Amcom, M2, Vocus, Telstra, Optus, TPG, iInet. Um, mm. it, was, it was when we all took up massive amounts of broadband. And so everyone did really, really well. Mm. And do those managers do a good job? Probably, Yeah. But until I see them doing something else as well, it's hard to know whether it's industry or whether it's individual. Mm. And so I want to see ideally a couple of companies and preferably if you can, a couple of industries. Because if you see someone who's done really well in two different companies or two different industries, there's a very good chance. The, the odds are much, much, much better. That there's something about the manager that's doing a, doing a really good job. So they're kind of, and then to your point, of view, it's super long term. If you can just manage it for a really long term and do well, um, then you're probably doing something well, as long as you're getting out performance. Uh, so they're they're the, they're the kind of three different ways I think about it. But as I am genuinely, genuinely reluctant and generally reluctant to give management too much credit. Generally, not because again, Knox, I don't think they deserve it but I'm unlikely to kind of go, hey, that company's done well, so therefore the, the manager management must be a, a genius, or he seems like a good guy, she seems like a good guy, or whatever else it is. Um, it, it isn't often or always enough, uh, and I think it's wise to probably not over-lionise CEOs. Um, mm. too, too often, I think they are, as you said, mate, You know, they're, they're, they're far more susceptible to the track record of their industry, the circumstance of their industry, Frankly, they set up by their predecessor. Um, we've seen so many times where a new CEO has come on and done well or badly because of the things that were put in place by their predecessor. And it's like like politicians, right? Like whoever, whoever wins the election in, what's it, March next year probably, um, federally, some, some of what they do over that next three years will be absolutely up to them. The vast bulk of the economic circumstances, for example, over that next three years from March 2022 will probably be the, the impact of what was done over the past 10 years. Mm. And so, you know, if, if the government's re-elected, if the opposition are elected and they do well or badly economically, it's almost certainly not going to be up to them. It's almost certainly going to be what was happening before they got there and the ray, the, the wave they rode. Yes, they're going to surf that wave, but a surfer can't go the opposite way of the wave, right? You're going to have to you do your best with what you get, um, but but far more about the momentum of the business, the circumstance of the industry, all that kind of stuff. Yep. Any more, mate?
1: Uh, the last thing I would just add is um, it, it always helps when they uh, a founder is, mm. uh, is That's actually yes, thank you is better yeah. than a professional uh, yes. CEO like someone who's actually built the business up, has run it for a long time, has got a lot more, yep. in, got a lot of and and has shares in it. It's another thing mm-hmm. worth saying, but it's mm-hmm. that it's that emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. It's it's more than just the money. It's it's their baby, and they've yep, got yep, a vision yep. for it, and they've anyone who's ever grown a company out of or taken a Something from zero and grown it into something really big has gone mm. against the odds. Has been told a whole bunch of reasons as to why it shouldn't work and wouldn't work and whatever. And they've mm. so they've had to ignore a lot of sensible advice <laughs> to get where it's kind of it's a very uh, ironic kind of situation that that you know. Mm. Elon Musk, you talked, you started b- talking about him before. It was just like yep. it was yep. crazy to get into electric cars. Yeah,
0: exactly. When he did, you know. Yeah. Man, I saw the movie. I saw the movie. Who killed the electric car? Yeah. When I was living in London in 2007, something like that. It was, it was literally the. It was the epitaph. It was the. Um. It was the eulogy. It was you know this is why electric cars are never going to work. They're stupid. They're not going to never going to happen. The oil companies will kill them. The traditional car companies will kill them. Yeah. This is a this is a losing bet. Yeah. You need, you,
1: you need, a, you need, a, that's a bit of a corny term, but you need a bit of a visionary for some of these things. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, so, It's yeah. not enough
0: necessarily, but you can't do it without it either. We're talking about oh, things where yeah, yeah. vision's not enough, but if you don't have any vision, you're not going to build anything.
1: The trouble with that is there's a lot of silent, what they call silent evidence. So, you, yeah. you never hear about the person. They never write a, a, a biography or there's never a documentary <laughs> on, on the person who was Sorry. just as hardworking, just yeah. as intelligent, yes, yes. just as visionary, but you've never heard of the him or her because they just, it yes. never worked for them. And there's, <laughs> It's probably far more of you, it's the exception that kind of proves the rule there. So mm. yeah, it, it's all it's all of that kind of stuff, and you just you got to t- mm. try and take a mm. holistic approach and get as many many of those things lined up as you can.
0: Yeah, it's um, it, it's a it's a yeah, it's a huge huge deal, mate. Um, I'm I'm done. I'm not going to do any more podcasts this year. No, I'm I'm out. Finished.
1: I'll come back I, next I, year though. That's that's, oh, a, well. that's such a terrible dad
0: joke. I want the rest <laughs> of the year off. Like, yeah, See yeah, you yeah, next yeah. year. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> Yeah, you get up in the morning, oh, I haven't eaten all year. Yeah. I don't know, I've been in the house all year. Oh, Haven't been in the backyard all year. Oh, my son's in for an absolute treat tomorrow morning. Uh, of course, if you are listening to this tomorrow morning, we are talking about 2021. We are, of course, going to be back in 2022. Mate, any New Year's resolutions? No, never do it. They're a waste of time. Are they, though? Huh? Wouldn't the behavioral psychologists tell us that some sort of pre commitment is better than nothing?
1: no it's a, absolutely not it, it's it's a very arbitrary most most used resolutions don't work i, I well, speaking of youtube channels a really great youtube channel called cpg Grey, and he does um, he does a whole thing on New Year's resolutions and talks about some more. If you really want to change your life, there's far more practical things you can do than make some <laughs> unachievable, unrealistic New Year's resolution that you're going to break within three weeks. So, mm. uh, I don't I don't buy into them. I like the sentiment, but it's they, they there's no evidence for them. So, <laughs> so as a smart, intelligent, rational person that I like to pretend that I am, um, I, <laughs> I, I I don't buy into it.
0: Can I tell you, mate? Your, your stridency of opinion—if you ever—if you ever turn, you are going to be the world's best conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. I saw this YouTube channel going. Oh no, he's gone. He's turned. <laughs> Once you go, it's not. There's no coming back either. It's going to be this. This really, you know, sitting on this fulcrum. It's like if you ever go that side, we're in all sorts of trouble. Uh, uh, no, okay. Well, anything you're looking forward to in 2022? Uh,
1: look, you know, I think,
0: I think the things that really matter
1: are, are the things that are all outside of money. You know. Uh, happiness, family, health, all of that kind of stuff is what really matters. Money, money is all just a, a means to buy yourself more time, more freedom. Um, mm. So it's really useful. It's really great. And I really love it for that. <laughs> but they're the big things. If, if, I, if I can go through 2022 uh, as a healthy, uh, largely happy person, then, then that's mm. a, that is a huge win.
0: I like that, mate. We spend a lot of time on this podcast talking about investing, as we should, because that's why people listen. That's what we do. Uh, but I am the first or maybe the second, given you just said it, to, to say that uh, investing well, uh, look, you know, if you want to be miserable, I'd rather be miserable with money than without it. I'd rather be happy with money than without it. Uh, but it is such a small component of a, of a rich and useful life. So mm-hmm. it, it is worth, I think, highlighting the uh, the reality that you you and I are very unlike many in our industry who actually realise there was something more important than just more stuff. It reminds me of the, the Jack Bogle, Line. I think I've used the, the enough line before on, on this podcast. Uh, I'm sure we have, but it's worth worth repeating. I will I will find it now. I'm I'm desperately desperately. You can tell I wasn't prepared for this one. Uh, let's see. All right. So it's a story told by John C. Jack Bogle, who now unfortunately left us. Um, but here's here's the here's the first paragraph of speech he gave. He says, "Here's how I recall the wonderful story." That sets the theme for my remarks today. At a party given by a billionaire on Shelter Island, the late Kurt Vonnegut informs his pal, the author Joseph Heller, that the host, a fund manager, had made more money in a single day than Heller had earned from his wildly popular novel, Catch-22, over its whole history. Which is pretty impressive. Bogle goes on to say, Heller responds, quote, yes, but I have something he will never have. Enough. Mm-hmm. I love it. Which I've...
1: Always, always loved. Uh, that, is so, that is so. That is so good. By the way, Kurt Vonnegut. I love his books. They are so. They are so great. They, if you need some Christmas reading, um, they are there classics.
0: Are. New Year's ready, mate. It's uh, New Year's Eve, so we're going to have to. unless you next Christmas. Okay. Yes. Summer, reading. Summer reading. Summer reading. Yes. <laughs> we are. We are caught in a weird vortex of time right now. We're pre-recording episodes. They're out of order. It's all over the place. Fools, thank you for spending 2021 with us. We very much appreciate your time. We said this last week, but I will reiterate because you know I can't thank you enough for spending some time with us. Yes, the podcast's free, but you have so much other stuff. We speak about the things that are more important. Uh, You can have money, you can have other things, but you can't get more time. We all get the same amount of time, at least hours in a day, days in a week, weeks in a year. So uh, we appreciate you dedicating some of that to listening to our gibbering. We hope we've helped you maybe learn a few things about investing, maybe get some stock tips, maybe feel a bit more informed and educated than you were this time last year. We hope we've, as I just said, and Andrew just said, hopefully you also. we've also let you know there are some more important things than investing uh, and maybe just giving you a, a yeah, hopefully kept it in a bit of context. We are an investing podcast, so we're focusing on that. Uh, we're not going to do the health and wellness podcast anytime soon. You'll be happy to know. Uh, but it's been a wonderful, wonderful privilege to spend this time talking about stocks with my good mate Andrew Page and and sharing them with you um, for next year. My hope is that, as Andrew said, we have a much, much better 2022. That God forbid we keep COVID uh, at bay or at least uh, at least managed. Uh, that we can all start to get back to some sort of normal normality. Uh, and then your 2022 is is a wonderful year with everything you hope that it can be. I'm also not a New Year's resolution kind of guy, um, probably for the same reason Andrew is, or just, you know, it's a, bit, it's, a bit, it's a bit kind of kitchen toy and all those sort of words, isn't it? It's just a bit overdone. So I'm not really a New Year's resolutions guy either, but I hope uh, we all do very well next year in all of the facets of life that are important, including hopefully investing. It'd be nice to make a few dollars during the next 12 months. We'll see how we go. But until next year, we will sign off for 2021. Full on.